Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 232. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? I'm pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. Don't, don't you always hate it? Because you, you know the, the proper way to say it is I'm doing well. You know, how, are you, how are you? I'm doing well. But mm-hmm. it's just such a common thing to say I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. So anytime... Mm-hmm. So I, I try to say well, but a lot of times it just doesn't feel right to say well. So sometimes somebody will be like, hey, how are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm well. And it, it makes me feel like they're condescending me. Mm. Like they're, they're you doing know what it, I like to do? Like they're and doing actually, it the right way. This is something that I actually do if you go back and listen to the podcast because I know all about this doing well is the correct way i just switch it up i just keep you on your toes sometimes i'll say well sometimes i'll say good yeah i do the same thing because i just i don't don't care it's stupid it's such a stupid thing because i have met people that are like you're technically you're supposed to say well good is grammatically incorrect and you're just like shut the fuck up we're conversing Grammar's a, not a thing when you're conversing. Like, if you can understand what I'm saying, right. Yeah, exactly. Trash people. All right. Grammar lesson out of the way. <laughs> On the this odd start to the show. This is just an observation. I don't know. I like pointing it out. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Paul Verhoeven's latest L, along with Linus Phillips's Rainbow Time. It's such an odd pairing. It is. It really is. Very serious drama. and So it makes sense to have an odd start to the show. Yeah. Yeah. It fits. We'll also be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list, along with movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I was thinking we could just dive right into our first review. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's start off with Rainbow Time. All right. Let's do that one first. Good choice. This is written and directed by Linus Phillips. It stars Linus Phillips, Melanie Linsky, Tim Sharp, and there's uh, there's a whole slew of cameos in there. Also, cameos. Also, uh, Tobin Bell's in there, too, playing the dad. Great role for him, by the way. Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell, the guy from Saw. Should I know Tobin Bell? Yeah, he's Jigsaw. Oh, I never saw Saw. Uh, you'd have a greater appreciation that, if you saw it. At any rate. I, 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 yeah, because... Oh my God, Tim Bell. He's great. He's the dad. I have a synopsis here. Sure, yeah. A develop me, developmentally delayed 40-year-old man named Shanzi is sent to live with his brother, Todd. But when Shanzi develops a crush on Todd's new girlfriend, Lindsay, he threatens to reveal past secrets that could ultimately tear the couple apart. Oh boy. I think I will start this one off. I, don't, I actually don't have a whole lot to say about this one. So the whole, first of all, the first thing you have to note, when you see Linus Phillips on screen, he looks like a mentally challenged person. So much so that I couldn't tell, and the question kept going through my mind throughout the whole movie, is this offensive? Is this movie offensive? I, I can't offensive really... Offensive on so many different levels. I just, I can't really, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know how to wrap my head around what's going on, because he... He doesn't have Down syndrome, but the way that they made him up, he looks like he has Down syndrome. Well, and they, okay, this is one of the first things that 
pisses me off about this movie is they justify it two ways. Number one is that he has a condition where in the womb, umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, brain wasn't getting oxygen. That's like the bulk of what you're dealing with here in his developmentally challenged. The fact that his brother doesn't even know what that's called. He's just like, oh, he's got an umbilical cord or something. That's what did it. The guy's 40 years old. I think you would know like the name of his condition, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you would have that on lock that if your girlfriend asked you, like, oh, yeah, he suffers from this. This is the technical name for it. Right. That way, if you shall choose to, you can Google it real quick. Take it a step further, and they're like, and the way I see this is this is them essentially making an excuse to make him whatever because they can add to it that, oh, yeah, I ran over his head when he was a kid because yeah. I was playing my dad's car, which gave them like just carte blanche creative license to like because there's no precedent you know what who can you point to and be like well this is how this person should be yeah because this person also suffered from lack of oxygen because of umbilical cord plus their head was run over when they were little so they essentially just they're like hey we can make this character whatever and we can excuse it because his head was run over yeah and that was kind of the, the one of the big issues i had with this is that there were funny there were a lot of funny moments there were a lot of moments that made me laugh but i was like this feels somehow mean-spirited, and I don't know if I should be laughing at this. It was funny, but eh, I don't know. I don't know, about, I don't know about you, but for me, like within the first couple of minutes of this movie, I'm just like, why? who thought that this was a good idea? Like, well, what, 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 how did money get filtered into this production? People got on board. And no one at any point was like, you know what? I don't think we should do this. <laughs> I don't know if this is such a good idea, guys. Yeah. I mean, because we're just talking about the Shanzi character. It's like they layer it. Because you have the Tim Sharp who plays the brother Todd, who has this like weird like kink fetish thing of like videotaping sex with his girlfriends and shows it to his brother. Yeah. So that becomes a whole thing. Shanzi, of course, is for some reason just sex obsessed. Like he's disgusting. Like looks and talks about his niece. Yeah, it's that just, was there's yeah, so many. That was a little so many, very creepy. And there's so many things to this movie where you're just like, what the fuck? How is this a movie? Why? Know. Who thought? Who? Who uh, thought that this was a good idea? Apparently, the Duplass brothers did. Which, another thing. There's not that many people that have like, seen the written reviews about this, but every single thing that I've read about this movie, the first two paragraphs are about the Duplass brothers. No, one of them's in it. Yeah, yeah. For a little bit. One is in Jay, and they produced it. But uh, yeah, I think that that's probably as far as it goes. Just terrible decisions here. This movie pissed me off. Well, setting aside the... Okay, that was what I was looking for. <laughs> I hate this fucking movie. This is disgusting. I feel like if you can get past the offensiveness of it, uh, I, I didn't mind it. I but thought it's it was... even more, even more so. Deshanzi's character at one point he does a he videotapes them, his brother Todd, mm-hmm. and then that becomes a whole thing. And then that that whole storyline too just irritated the shit out of me. Where it's just like. Why is he showing these things to Shanzi? And he kind of explains it towards the end where he's like, oh, he's in a really dark place, the mouth. But what the fuck? Like, porn exists. 
You can just show Shanzi porn. Yeah, I know. To to show porn with your ex girlfriend. You mm. Yeah, like that's and then there's the whole thing of just her wanted it to be deleted and he doesn't do it. And then the dad's like, Oh, you just gotta love people for who they are. I'm like, no, your boyfriend's disgusting. That's just one of his things, man. <laughs> yeah. And then they fucking tied up with a bow where she like kind of shows up at the end. She's like, I forgive you. And he even says that like, oh, I do this to exert control over my relationships. So you do it to control the woman that you're in the relationship with. Yeah. Seems that way. And she was cool with it because she had her oils. She yeah. had, her, and she she had like, her, oh, her essential oils and crystals. Yeah. Well, it's just, oh my God. Oh, uh, uh-huh. So there was also this uh, this whole uh, making a movie thing too with Shanzi, which oddly enough that was the only thing that I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah, but even that to me got <laughs> got to inappropriate levels, especially what they did at the end. It's like, how would he be like, yeah, let's do this? Like I'd be like, no, that's mm-hmm. gross. We're not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Your relationship with your brother is very bizarre. Like they need therapy. They need, like, just shut it down, go to therapy, because there's just some weird shit going on. Yeah. I like Tim Sharp. Uh, it was I was trying to figure out where I knew him from, and I realized it was from uh, Enlightened on HBO. Okay. Because I was thinking the same thing. He looks so familiar. He's Enlightened. It's good. It's good stuff. I don't know where I know him from. Uh, he was on that, uh, the Undeclared, the Judd Apatow show that... Oh, yeah. I know him from Rainbow Time. I don't know. Did any of it make you laugh, or were you too too angry to laugh? <clears throat> I think they made me laugh. It's it, there were no, a number of moments that made me laugh, but uh, for the life of me, I cannot remember them specifically. The only thing I slightly remember is when she pointed. It, she was saying that Todd's sunglasses look great, so of course Shanzi had to switch them up. Mm-hmm. And then the immediate next scene where he walks in with a different sunglasses. <laughs> And just taught off camera. Like, oh, you can't have continuity. That got a chuckle. Yeah, there were, there were a number of things that made me laugh. I thought I thought Linus Phillips was funny. I just uh, didn't know if I, again, I just didn't know if I should be laughing at this. It just seemed wrong in a way. It's so, mm, with Artemis, who plays Justine, where they kind of do this, like, use with because there's this whole thing about catcalling, mm-hmm. apparently. So they're making a video about Cat Calling and he's interviewing all these all these ladies and then he's asked to interview Artemis and he's so unbelievably rude. Yeah. And just oh my god, that her. was that was so cringeworthy. That's essentially just calls her ugly and he's like, There's no way people cat call you, you're ugly. And in the fucking movie, oh, he bumps into Artemis and she's just like, Oh, we're gonna be hanging out and they're just like best of buds, like Well see like the relationship th- together. See see Kevin, the thing was She's kooky too. She's oh, kooky god. and he's kooky, and they're gonna make a one kooky couple. Oh my god! Because she has a a corgi, a disabled corgi named was it pizza? Pizza, pizza, corgi in a wheelchair named pizza. Ah, oh, go fuck yourself, Rainbow Time. This is it's not Zoom is still the worst and worst movie I've seen this year. Rainbow Time's a close second. Just, what about Moonwalkers? This is worse than Moonwalkers. Wow too i mean you know how much i hated moonwalkers but early on too i'm just thinking like you get into it starts up you know five minutes into it and you're just like i gotta spend 
an hour and like an hour and a half with this Shaanxi character. Like, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. Yeah, I guess it just comes down to the Shaanxi character because if you if you're not on board with with the Shans, you're, I don't know. You're gonna have a big problem. No, I actually don't know what's more offensive: the Shaanxi character or the whole Todd. Todd, like his, Todd and his, his relationship. And he's like, oh, this is how I control the relationship. You know, kind of like putting it on her that it's her fault and making her feel bad about it. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to show my sex tapes to my brother. It's just, I don't I don't know which one it is. There's a part of me that thinks Todd's the worst out of this well, character. Maybe. It's tough. It's neck and neck. Maybe, yeah. All right. Well, that's Rainbow Time. You can see that on VOD right now if you'd like. Don't do that. Don't give this movie money. People produced it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and give this a score. Mm. I'm going to say uh, 4.5 on this one. I'm going to give it a 1. Mm. Give it a 1. That's a shame. I, I mean, he does a really good Lithuanian Christopher Walken. <laughs> I think that's all he can do. What did you think about the Robert Longstreet cameo? I was. That was just, at that point in time, I was just like, no. You were, no. you were already uh, checked out. <laughs> and same with Prediger. Prediger. Showing up in there, too. It's just like, oh, God, guys, why did you agree to do this? I'm wondering uh, I'm wondering how you'd feel about Manson Family Vacation, the one with him and Jay Duplass. Mm. It was an interesting one. All right, so that's Rainbow Time. Not not a very Not very glowing reviews coming from here. Again, it made me laugh a few times. Didn't despise it like like uh kevin did here so let's talk about l let's do it so this is directed by paul verhoven i have a synopsis here a successful businesswoman gets caught up in a game of cat and mouse as she tracks down the unknown man who raped her this stars isabel hubert kevin we'll start it with you what did you think of l this one is uh maybe a bit too fresh still processing uh, yeah still processing so i'm gonna throw that out there that I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about this, but uh, just the just going from the initial experience of you know the viewing experience of it, I found it very interesting. So I had the opportunity to see this a uh, couple, maybe a week ago now, a little a little bit ago. So I'm a little bit removed from it, and I will say that I kind of felt like how you did after my initial viewing. And I was thinking, like, oh, man, I really got to let this one settle with me. But it is definitely one that stuck with me over time. And as I think about it more and more, I realize, like, this is probably going to be one of my top movies of the year. It's it's mm, up, it's up okay. there for me. I, I really, I was just so, uh, I was just kind of, it, it hooked me. The movie hooked me on pretty early. And I was just kind of enthralled by this this story about this woman who owns a video game company and she just her actions are so befuddling at times but also at the same time just go play right into who this character is and i like i like movies that have really complex characters and i felt like isabel hubert's character vel was really she was a really complex character like you didn't really she was tough to pin down. Yeah, like you, you, you got the broad strokes. You know, she is a, a very powerful, very domineering woman because they, they let, they let that. I mean, the first scene. So, I mean, it's not a huge spoiler to say that the opening scene is her being attacked, or right after she's attacked, and yeah. just how 
what she does, how she just, she just, she gets up, she cleans up, she composes herself and she moves on. <laughs> like it was just not a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets the stage for who this character is. She's this, um, she, she doesn't have time for stuff like that. Like she's not going to, she, she doesn't have time to be messing around with that. And it's just so funny how her work life and her and her personal life just kind of bleed together and how she handles relationships and how she she doesn't really have a a boyfriend or a husband she has these like suitors and it's just she's just such an an interesting character to spend time with like she's not she's not likable she's going after this married man no but at the same time she kind of is yeah she's not likable but She's kind of like a badass. She is. And she's she's not likable, but she's not inherently dislikable either. No. But at the same time, you're just kind of like, you just, it, there's several points throughout the movie where, you know, she does something, you just kind of like tip your cap to her. Like, damn, wish I had the balls to do that. Yeah. She's a, she is a badass. She's, she's very honest and frank. She's a very earnest character and just how she's, she's take charge. Is- she's like, she doesn't fuck around. Because towards the end of the movie, there's there's this certain uh, I'm towards the end where she kind of just lying anymore, and you're just like, damn, I thought you weren't to begin with. Like, what's this new version going to be? Yeah, and she's just doling out truth left and right, and you're like, good lord, badass to begin with, but Jesus, you just took it up a notch. I think I think you have to be kind of a badass to be a female and an owner of a video game company. Like that's, I think you you have to have uh, pretty thick skin to do that. It's just it's a really interesting film. It I'm is. It's not a hundred percent sure. It's diff. It's a I difficult feel. film. It's a challenging film. It's definitely not one because at first, like I said, they they open with the the direct aftermath of her being attacked in her home, and she's pretty yeah. she's pretty brutally raped. And I thought I was like, oh, Verhoeven's. That, like that's it. We're not going to come back to it. I mean, obviously the ramifications of this are going to be seen throughout the movie, but that's that was like kind of a, an interesting way of showing this because we didn't we didn't see the actual attack, but he comes back to it multiple times, and you're just like, oh. And then things st- when like in the synopsis when they start mentioning this whole cat and mouse thing, when that starts coming into into play, and her attacker comes back and you're trying to figure out who it is and she's trying to figure it out. But at the same time, it's like, she doesn't even really care who it is. Yeah. She makes some interesting decisions. Well, yeah. Cause I feel like anything else I say about it will be giving too much away. Cause there is a little bit of a mystery element too. Like you're trying to figure out who this person is because it seems or like early on that it's someone she knows. Yeah. So, so you're trying to figure out, is it, is it one of the people she works with? Is it, you know, a family friend or like, is it another person? Because she's not very well liked, even in, in her own circle of friends and coworkers. Yeah. She has a very small group of people that seem to tolerate her. You know, think of, yeah. <laughs> think of her fondly. It's just, yeah. And then you throw in, there's the whole, there's the whole side thing of like her father being a serial killer. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that, that plays into kind of like gives you an idea of like why she is who she is. And not only that, but there were, there were kind of uh, 
a lot of people thought that she was somehow involved. So even yeah. though she was exonerated and not not really implicated in in any of the killings, a lot of people in the town still believed that she was somehow taking part of uh, of these killings yeah. because of a, a picture that was taken when the when the the guy was arrested when her dad was arrested. So that that kind of makes her even more kind of villainized. Yeah, which I think kind of plays into it too. If you kind of think back throughout the movie, <clears throat> she kind of got caught up in the like when her dad came home and they burned down the house and you know they're burning everything. She didn't quite understand what was going on. She just kind of got caught up in it. Right. She didn't. you know, and then trying yeah through like all of her interactions with most of the males in this movie is her like essentially trying to repair their pride in a way. Yeah. Because so many of them are just like they're downtrodden and she's trying to like pick them back up. Like that's her role. Right. Because you have her relationship with her son, uh, her, her father who she hasn't seen in years and years. He's dying in prison. And then you have this man she's having an affair with. And then there's a, a neighbor who the neighbor doesn't really seem distraught, I guess. Maybe she sees something in him. Maybe she feels that he's missing something. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of interesting how, and then also the people that she works with too, how she finds people to to kind of support. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of this movie because I think a lot of this comes down to Cooper's performance. I'm just like I don't know if it would work without her. Mm, and I don't for this role that coldness. Yeah, I, I think I, she just nails it. I feel like this probably was something that very few actresses could pull off because like you said there there is this coldness but there's also this kind of motherly quality to her where there there's yeah there's which these... is also interesting because she even kind of questions herself as a mother yeah there's these there's these small moments that they're they're almost humorous moments like like how she interacts with her cat for instance where it, it sort of humanizes her and you realize like She's not a, a, a stone cold, you know, emotionless, uh, yeah. evil person or anything like that. And I liked those small something. moments of levity too. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else, something else. And it, I didn't I like know you. I was I got hooked early, and I was I found it compelling throughout. And it's it's over two hours long, but like like I briefly say on uh, this week's Ryan watches a movie. It to me, it didn't feel. I didn't feel that length. No, no, I didn't either. Which is interesting. Which was, uh, a nice change of pace. Yeah, because when when you have movies like this where you don't really know where it's going, um, a lot of times a longer length, you really start to feel that. But for me, I was just so invested in where this narrative was going, and specifically the character of L, and just especially because when you find out who the attacker is, there's so much more that happens after that and after yeah. she figures out who it is it gets even crazier and you're just like what is happening here there, there's a lot of really uh unexpected things that happen in this movie yeah it's uh man, i don't really know what else to say besides like it's something <laughs> it's it's something yeah it definitely is it definitely is something uh, i was quite surprised i gotta be honest you didn't expect much I thought I would probably find it relatively interesting, but 
I just thought it would, you know, it wouldn't be really my thing. That's kind of how I expected going into it. The only reason I, there, there's really only two reasons that I even gave it a look, and that's Verhoeven and Hubert. Like, th- those two people made me want to seek this out. I just, I just saw her, the way that she responds to things, you know? Like, I might not fire you. I'm just like, dang <laughs> him. Just how deadpan and Jesus. brutally honest she is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then she just fucking waltzes out of the room. Just walks out. Or just walks out. Yeah. She knows she's a Holy badass. Shit. All right. Any final thoughts on L? Uh, I don't know if I had initial thoughts, let alone final thoughts. I'm still just, I'm, in, I'm adrift. Well, maybe adrift we'll thoughts. maybe we'll follow up with you next week and see what what, uh, what you, your final I, thoughts I, I will, are. I, I will say this. It's nice to have reaction to a film. It's been a little a little while. You know, for something to kind of like, where you're kind of just taken off guard. Mm-hmm. You're kind of sitting with it and you're like, no, I don't know exactly how I feel about this film. I know I enjoyed it while I watched it, but I'm not sure what to think of it. I, I don't think we've had too many of those this it, year in 2016. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah I, would, I would definitely agree. It is a challenging film for sure. Let's go ahead and give Elle a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it? Oh Jesus! Uh, I say like a like a seven and a half, eight. This I, I'm sitting at an eight or eight and a half on this one. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna stay with the eight and a half. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stand with the eight and a half on this one. I just the longer it sat with me, the the more I kind of uh, enjoyed it. Not enjoyed it, but appreciated it. I guess. Yeah. So you're thinking like a week's time, I'll be up to eight and a half. I would think so, yeah, because it sticks with you. It's one that you, it lingers. You, you think about it. At least I did. I'm still, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. And I and I also kind of want to watch it again now that I know all of the secrets, you know, yeah. so that so that I can watch it kind of fresh, already knowing all the t- all the twists, and then I can just kind of watch it for the the character. Not be thinking about oh well, who who is it is it this guy who is it yeah kind of focus on her a little bit more also I just really enjoyed it so just kind of want to see it again for fun at least as fun as yeah. a film about somebody getting brutalized yeah the non rape parts yeah yeah of course because that was difficult yeah that was the that was a big concern going in anytime anytime uh, I know I was so and I was so happy with the initial yeah same here this is like. Thank goodness I didn't have to watch it. Gee, goddamn it! I thought we got away. I think that's the one good thing about seeing Irreversible is that after you see Irreversible, everything else doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem quite as bad. Like you can handle, you can handle thinking, everything there's else. There's no way it can be worse than that. Exactly. Mm. Not that I'm recommending that movie to anyone. All right, let's move on and talk about some movie watching on the watch list. I think I'll start it off this week. So, Under the Shadow, this is directed by Babak Anvari. So, this is a really interesting horror film. Uh, it's about a, a it, it takes place in Iran, and it's during the, um, the war in, I think it was the year 86? It was in the 80s uh, when, when Iraq was bombing Iran, and... Basically, there the the film follows a, a mother and daughter, and the their husband he is a, a a doctor, I believe, and he has to go 
He has to leave the city. It takes place in Tehran. He has to leave the city for work, and she is left to take care of the daughter. And things, as the violence begins to escalate, the the threat of bombing uh, escalates. Some strange things start to happen in their home, and eventually, it, it you find out that there's uh, something that is possibly haunting their home. It's a creepy little movie. It's a very, very slow burn. I'm doing an absolutely terrible time describing it, but uh, it's it's well worth a look if you like very slow burn movies. I mean, this isn't even... I would hardly even call this a horror movie because the, the scares are so few and far between, but I still would classify it as a horror movie because what what the director does in this what he achieves is this level of dread that just continuously builds and builds and builds and you don't know where things are going to go and i can't even quite put my finger on it but the entire time that i was watching this movie i just had this kind of uneasy feeling with yeah. it and he just builds the tension in such a way that it's just it's so effective i mean there's there's a few jump scares in it but not that many and he he really relies on the tension and the the idea that these people are not safe even in their own home they could be bombed at any moment and it's just uh it's a really really interesting movie i highly recommend it again it's called under the shadow that's i'm glad to hear that because that's one i've been waiting to see you just have to go into it with the right kind of expectations um, because it's very, I mean, very slow. Like, not a whole lot happens in this movie. Even at the end, you know, a lot of these movies have a build-up yeah. and then a big crescendo at the end. This, not so much. You really just have to be kind of invested in the the characters and what what they're trying to represent here. It's, it's a lot of people compare it to the Babadook, and I sort of see that. Not fully. No, not fully. I, the the Babadook's a very. It's just the the way that they present the horror in the Babadook is is different. It's not like there's a a specific boogeyman in this. Yeah. Would you say that? Because to me, I found the thing that kind of surprised me or slightly disappointed me with the Babadook is I kind of went in with this expectation that it would be kind of different because that's um, kind of what I was hearing. But it it kind of felt like it felt traditional in a way. Yeah, this one feels different in that it's. I don't think that it's really presented as a horror movie. It doesn't feel like a horror movie. It doesn't have a lot of those tropes. It just feels like a drama. Okay. It feels like a drama about um, these these two people in this kind of war torn area and the the distinct fear that you have in in knowing that at any moment your life could be lost. Yeah. And having no control over that, or very little control. Hmm. But it, it's great, great. Uh, yeah, I I watched a documentary. This is the Academy Award nominee from 2006, Iraq and Fragments from James Longley. This is quite uh, quite a good documentary. Kind of has like three. I think it's about three people that he kind of follows around. He just kind of like films for two years. He just kind of follows these people around. <clears throat> More of like your cinema birthday style documentary, we're just kind of following families around, and you know, it just paints this portrait of 
time, this war-torn country, and and he he's with the Sunnis, he's with the Shiites, he's with the Kurds, so he kind of spends time with each of the different uh, population there, and it just gives you this, maybe it's something that you don't normally see that's presented through the news, and it's just, I mean, it's just unbelievably enthralling just to watch. It's so interesting. Hmm. interesting. You, you know, because you're just seeing a part of the world and the, you know, the way in which they live and what they had to deal with. And it's just, you kind of have this, know that it's kind of that most populations are the same everywhere. Like people are just trying to, you know, live a life and enjoy themselves and take care of their families. And then just to see some of these things, is just, opening. yeah, it's easy to forget that most people are just trying to get up and go to work and come home to their family and live normal lives. You know, especially in areas like like Iraq and Afghanistan. Kids, because he spends a lot of time with kids, actually. And, like, it's them going to school. And it's essentially everyone around them, like all the adults that are around them, the teachers, everyone. It's just like, you're a failure. Stop going to school. School is nothing. You're not going to be able to do it. Just give up. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's already bad enough that you're in a war-torn country, but, you know, even the adults around you are like, it's not worth it. You're not going to be able to do it. And it's just like, God, you know, and they're young. I'm not talking like high school kids. I'm talking like young kids. Sounds like our, uh, our, our, like, it's like our high school guidance counselors. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, give up, get a job. You're worthless. And it's like, holy shit, kids. Hmm. All right. I saw rats. It's a Is doctor. that the, the rat duck? Yeah. The rat documentary. It is, yeah. Oh boy. It's a Morgan Spurlock rat documentary. This played this played some festivals. It played Fantastic Fest, and then it uh, Discovery, the Discovery Channel, bought it and played it on a couple days before Halloween, or maybe it was like a week before Halloween. They they played it, and it's it's okay. I mean, it it really does get under your skin. It's very creepy. Uh, rats are horrifying. Now, I see rats every day. Every single day, I see rats. I live in New York. I see rats. In fact, just the other night, I was walking home, and on my way home from work, there's they're doing construction on this one area of the street, and they have these like, kind of a, it's a civilian walkway that's set up where it's sort of enclosed. Um, it's not scaffolding, but it's like, it's like a little tunnel that you go through. And yeah. I was walking home. It was in the evening. I was by myself. Nobody, nobody was around me, and a rat scurried right across the like the walkway. I mean, inches away from my feet. It scared the shit out of me. So when I see them from afar, when I see them from a distance, they don't they don't bother me. But it, it's more like the fact that they come out of nowhere, and it's just it startles yeah. you. This is the surprise element. Yeah. But the thing that this mo- that this documentary gets into is the the fact that they're multiplying they're growing in numbers the, as as many as, as we kill hundreds of thousands of these things even millions they they're they're multiplying quicker than we can exterminate them and not only that but they the the amount of disease that they carry is unbelievable like they're they're just like cuz the, cuz their immune systems are so resistant to everything and they like now the, the way that they their bodies are mutating it's they're, they're studying these rats because they're evolving so quickly like the the rodenticide that used to kill them they're now becoming immune to 
So it's not even, so that's not even stopping them. And what's happening is they're eating the rodenticide and other animals are eating the rats. And then those animals are dying because they're getting poisoned. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a really gross, really gross movie. If you have a thing, if rats creep you out, oh my God, stay away from this one. Cause rats don't even bother me. And watching it it i couldn't i almost had to look away at certain points in yeah. this because it is horrific especially yeah, I because i always think like rats are disgusting but at the same time i just think of like worse than rats yeah like cockroaches are worse than rats too. yeah yeah cockroaches are those those bother me more than rats because cockroaches can get in your house whereas and i mean rats can get in your house too but uh but it's more more likely kind of, they're kind of easier to find too they're noisier they're bigger yeah they're a lot bigger you can find you can essentially find them and kick them if you have to if need be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cockroaches they're kind of stealth i hate yeah i hate roaches Ugh. but at any rate yeah, the, the movie's like the movie's okay it it so it they go to different cities and talk about different problems in the cities and then just different they they look at they go to these labs where they're studying rats and there's this uh like temple in in india where they worship the rats because they believe that when they're when your relatives die they turn into rats and then and then when that rat dies they turn back into a human so there's this like temple where it's just it's filled it has I think they said thirty five thousand rats in it, and they, and it, yeah, it's yeah, it's really it's religion, it's weird, mm. but there's a lot of really interesting mm. facts and things. You see a lot of rats get killed in it, which is not pleasant, and you see a lot of rats be dissected and studied. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, there's a lot of really gross uh, rat stuff that happens in this. Oh, one other thing that well. bothered me about this movie. There was this low chirp that would happen. It was part of the soundtrack. It was part of the music. And this chirp would happen sporadically every few seconds. And I thought I was going crazy. But I confirmed that it did exist. My my wife was watching too. And it was like just this little chirping noise. And it was part of the score. And I think that it was designed to kind of make you feel more uneasy. Because it was the way that it's presented. It's like a horror movie. And yeah. but the chirping drove me insane. I don't understand why they made the decision to put that in the movie, but it was horrible, and it happened through the entire runtime. Mm. Oh, I watched another documentary. Yeah. Uh, wow, the doc right there. I wasn't a big. I didn't I mean I. I didn't mention this when I talked about it. Sorry. Um, I didn't like the whole lyrics thing that popped up on the screen. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, was, that when I talked about it. I didn't mind at first because it was Killer Mike. And I was like, hell yeah! And then when the, she did the Dead Prez too, it's like nice. Yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since I uh, heard I Dead Prez. Which Jesus Christ! I mean that that reminded me too. I was like immediately, I was like, oh my god, Dead Prez! Man, that was a strong album. Oh yeah, I listened to that mm. just over and over and over again. I love that CD. Thirteenth, uh, that is a good documentary. You need to watch that, people. People watch that. It is, I mean, I got to give it to her. Yes, it's slightly kind of like an introductory style 
you know, where it's kind of like just going over these, the big points, like, you know, throughout, but just the way of the amount of information they get, she gets across and the way that she does it, you know, there's such an order to it. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, especially at the beginning there's like a nice, it's almost as if it's a primer at the beginning, just to kind of fill you in on how we got here. And then they go through the history of it. And yes, you know, you can throw out to her that, you know, she could have put more in there. And yes, I'm sure she would agree with that too. Yeah, I mean, you could make a just ridiculously long, like think of like seven Lob Diaz movies put together, <laughs> documentary on the injustices of the 13th Amendment and everything that goes into it. But man, I just, from the outset, I was just hooked. I was so into this documentary. And the one thing that just got me, caught me off guard, I've, I've made it a point to not watch any of the videos of, you know, the unarmed black men that have been killed by police. And then she throws them in there. At oh, the yeah. End, you know, puts and you have to watch them. That was because I haven't seen those before. No, and I, I, neither have I. I, 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 them, I don't watch that. So. And just to watch them one after another, it's just, ugh, what the fuck? I know, it's terrible. The fuck? I, that's a rough one. That's a rough watch, but it's an important watch, I think. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I, I hope that the people that need to see that movie somehow see it. So that's, yeah, that's, the, one, that's the thing that should be like high school history class. Yeah. You I have to show that shit. I feel like that should be required viewing in schools. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. I'm right there with you. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff. Because she goes over some of the stuff that, yes, I, I found out later through like kind of my own curiosity of learning about things. But so much of that stuff did not hear a fucking word of it in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, was, I don't remember learning about any of that stuff in high school. No, I don't think so. <sighs> it's like you just, you just learn about the good things, the positive things. Well, so much of high school is just like World War Two. we were the fucking greatest. Yeah. In the Civil War, and then it seems like anything else that has to do with America, they're just like, nah, nah, we won't really talk about we're that. No, yeah, we're not going to get into that. We don't. Who has the time? <laughs> what about Vietnam? It was complicated. Okay, back to World War Two. <laughs> we saved the entire world. Do you understand? <laughs> oh God, it's it's because World War Two is just so easy to. I mean, well, it's it's so it's, it's not, cut. but it's so clear cut. That's the like, thing. There's yeah. a there's a very very uh, clear enemy. Yeah, it's essentially a Hollywood movie. The mm-hmm. way that they kind of cast it is like, it's black and white. This guy was fucking evil as shit. We saved the entire world forever, heroes. You can't judge us. Yep, that's, yep. All right, so that's 13th. That's on Netflix. So everybody, everybody should be checking that one out. I saw a film called Private Property. This is from 1960, directed by Leslie Stevens. Uh, this is a this was an interesting one. I got the Cinelicious remastered this and put it out on blu-ray this is one of these films that was just kind of lost uh, for for decades and decades um because when this movie came out it was it did not get approval by the the motion picture ratings board at the time i can't remember what they were called back then it wasn't the mpa it was like the mpdpa or something like that And they did not rate it because it was it was a little racy. It was a, it was a little there was a, there was some sexy stuff in it. There was some murder. It was it was definitely more adult than most movies that were coming out in 1960. 
And as a result, it got a very limited art house release here in the States. And it, it, it achieved modest success over in Europe. It, it did pretty well over there. But over here, it just kind of played for two weeks in one art house theater, and then it just faded away into obscurity. And UCLA, the film archive at UCLA, they uncovered some of these lost reels for this film, and then they decided to remaster it. So they remastered it in 4K. And when you see this, it's pretty incredible. I mean, this movie, it, it's jarring when you see this because it looks it looks like a modern movie that was just shot in black and white and meant to look old. Very, very interesting. It's a, yeah. So the movie's about these two guys who are uh, they're, they're, they're drifters. They, ha- they happen to see this beautiful woman at a gas station that they're hanging out at, and they decide to follow her because one of the two guys is a virgin. So they're going to try to win this girl so he can lose his virginity. And they end up breaking into the house next door to where this woman lives and spying on her. And then the, and then the one guy decides to start talking to her and, and trying to seduce her, even though she's married. And things just kind of escalate from there, and it, it has a, a violent conclusion. I wrote a review for this. Uh, I reviewed the Blu-ray. And uh, I, it's pretty – I liked it. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, I was surprised. I didn't think I would think too much of it because it sounded like it was, I mean, it was a really low budget movie, very small cast. And I was thinking, eh, it's probably going to be kind of cheesy, but it was actually the way that it was shot. The cinematography in this movie is incredible. And that was what really kind of threw me is that the, the cinematography was so good. I mean, this is, uh, the, the cameraman in this, he would go on to, I don't have his name in front of me right now, but he he would go on to do the cinematography for American Beauty and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and some really uh, Road to Perdition, some really heavy uh, heavy visual movies, and it was great. Ted McCord is his name, mm. and the uh, or no sorry, Ted McCord was the cinematographer on this movie. Conrad Hall was the camera operator. Ted McCord would go on. He he would do. Um, he did Sound of Music. He did the uh, cinematography for Sound of Music. So yeah, some some talented people behind this one. Leslie Stevens, the writer and director, uh, was the creator of The Outer Limits. Remember that show, The Outer Limits? Oh yeah. Yeah, he created The Outer Limits, and they, they shot the movie in his house. So the whole movie takes place in his home, and the female lead, Kate Manx was married to Leslie Stevens at the time. So they were husband and wife. And interestingly, she committed suicide shortly after this movie came out. So there's this kind of haunting quality to it, mm-hmm. knowing that you know shortly shortly after this is released, she, she ends her own life. But uh, I would recommend checking it out. The, the Blu-ray's pretty decent. It's like a DVD-Blu-ray combo. There's, there's not really anything as far as special features, but it's kind of understandable considering... Most people never yeah. even heard of this movie. Yeah, the special feature of them saving. Yeah, film. <laughs> yeah. But I, I gotta say, the restoration is incredible. I mean, there's there's like no there's no dust, there's no film degradation, like there's nothing. It just it looks so pristine. There's some weird editing, but I don't know if that was in the original print 
or something that happened during the restoration. Mm. There's some like really just strange transitions and things that, that happen. But either way, I would check it out. It's called uh, Private Property from 1960. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I think you'd like it. Definitely, I think you would love the cinematography. It has this kind of voyeuristic quality to it. So almost all of the camera shots are from behind something. Like, so you're looking through. Like, there's one scene where there's a like an empty, half-empty glass of whiskey, and you're kind of looking through that. And then there's like windows and bushes and these kind of uh, these these shots where everything feels like you're you're watching this unfold. Mm. Good stuff, though. Yeah, I have. Uh, I watched uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, we'll uh, take a watiti. Yeah, God, oh, love it. How incredible love is it. he as a director? Holy crap! I just, I just, it just ticks like every box that I have for this like certain mood that I'm in, this certain experience of just, I just want to enjoy myself and I want to have fun and I want to laugh. And I also want there to be some heart in there. Mm-hmm. He just—he has like the perfect mixture of everything. It's just—I don't know what it is, but man, is it feel comfy. Oh yeah, I loved this movie. Absolutely like when, loved when it. When you settle in to watch it, you're just like, yes, please don't ever stop. It's just like a wonderful blanket that you never want to take off on forever and ever. It's just oh. Yeah, I would say if you haven't seen this one yet, I think it's one of the year's best movies for sure. Sam Neill. Oh, it's just funny. The only <laughs> thing, the only thing that I had, I, I didn't know uh, the Reese Darby's character, the Psycho Sam. That was a bit. It's where it kind of like it didn't come off the rails exactly, but it started to shake a little bit. It was pretty. He was, he was pretty funny, but, but he short. was Yeah. Let's see. He's the quickest way to get out of here. Jetpack. You have a jetpack. You have a jetpack. No. What? <laughs> Uh, I just love one. <laughs> Why do they call him Psycho Sam? And then he immediately says something ridiculous, and he's like, "Oh, never mind." Oh, oh man. Yeah, I, I really want to watch this again. How did you watch this? The DVD from Netflix, which they still do. Like, if you ask Netflix, they'll still send you one in the mail. Then hmm. you can put it in your PS3 and watch it. <laughs> uh... <laughs> put it in your PS3 with your 28-inch TV. Just fucking have at it. Turn those subtitles on. Volume gotta have set, set. I mean, New Zealand, I mean, they speak English, but do they? <laughs> I mean, not to be rude, but is standard without the subtitles. I, but I can't really understand normal American English without subtitles. I have a problem understanding words that come out of people's mouths. I have that sometimes. Not too often. Especially phones. Like, I can't understand anyone on the phone anymore. <laughs> I think it's a sign of age, maybe. <laughs> I just think that like every person I talk to, they their phone is way too close to their mouth. Could I be. I just can't figure out what they're saying. Could be. All right. I saw Last Girl Standing. This is a, it's a horror movie on VOD right now. It's directed by Benjamin R. Moody. This is kind of an interesting one in that the film starts with the 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 final girl uh, getting away from the killer and, and murdering him killing the killer and getting away and the rest of the movie is her trying to put the pieces of her life back together and it's sort of a character study on what this what something uh, something like this would do to you you know psychologically mentally yeah and obviously she has post-traumatic stress 
disorder from from this trouble uh, because all of her friends were viciously and brutally murdered in front of her and it's just it's just about her trying to live a normal life after this horrible thing happened and it is a horror movie at first i was like oh well i don't even know if this is a horror movie but they do they do go back to a more kind of typical horror movie uh setting towards the end of the movie and that's kind of, that's kind of where it lost me unfortunately but everything up until that point I was really into it I was I thought that it was really interesting to kind of explore the ramifications of surviving a slasher you know yeah that is that is an interesting premise yeah it was it was fairly well done too and the the, the effects work was good um it gets very violent at the end and while I wasn't quite into how how everything played out it was it was still pretty well done so i'd uh i'd say it's a light recommend for me the last uh it's called last girl standing yeah you don't have any other ones i did not watch anything else no uh the only other one that i saw was dr strange Ooh. yeah so this is uh directed by scott Derek. it's you'll like it it's well worth a look it's not it's oh, not really? it's not exactly what you would expect um it's it's a superhero movie so you should expect some of those tropes in there, but it's definitely it's definitely a different kind of superhero movie. It's uh, so Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch is the plays Doctor Strange, and the interesting thing about this one is that it's it's more of a, a spiritual kind of metaphysical take on the Marvel universe. So it's dealing with parallel timelines and dimensions and things like that, like things that are beyond what the eye can see. And there's this whole like mirror dimension that they go in, which is really crazy because it's like infinite instances of reality folded onto itself. And it's, it's just a, it's a really trippy movie and they really, they really kind of play with that. And like some of the abilities of these people is that they can actually bend matter. So that's where you see this kind of inception esque thing taking place and they can sort of run on walls and ceilings and and things like that and there's a particular action scene that happens at the end i'm not going to give it away but it was incredible it was so cool what they did with it and uh i yeah i i liked this more than what i expected i really had no expectations going into it i i wanted to see it just because it's a marvel movie but i'm not a big fan of dr strange and i was just like yeah it looks okay yeah. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Mads Mikkelsen is the villain, and um, he plays a really good villain. Really good villain. Tilda Swinton kills it in this. She She's awesome in it, too. Oh, yeah. I think I, I'm interested enough to actually go to a theater and see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth it to see it in the theater just because this is the most uh, visual of all the Marvel movies. I mean, it's they, they really. Like Scott Derrickson really has fun with the fact that you can really do whatever you want in this world. And so there's a lot of really trippy kind of crazy visuals that happen. All right. Yeah, it's very cool. So I would recommend checking out Doctor Strange. I mean, it wasn't my favorite of all the Marvel movies, but it was another solid entry. So there's that. Speaking of Doctor Strange, let's move on and talk about some predictions. Do it. So you said 84. I said 86 on Doctor Strange. Actual 90. Yep. Trolls. You said 50. I said 64. Actual 84. I can't believe people are liking this Trolls movie. I still won't. I, there's just no way I'm going to see it. 
No way. I didn't even like trolls as a kid. I never I never understood the whole troll thing. I think I think my rationale is like their their legs and arms don't even move. They have zero points of articulation. Yeah, which uh, yeah, and at that point you're like, how do you even play with this? Exactly. What it has hair? So what? Yeah, break. Big effing deal. I guess it was more of a, a girl toy. I think they were marketed more. I guess it was like more. the original because they were like they you know they're in cubicles and stuff. Yeah. They predate like all the the vinyl toys now. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Uh, I'd rather have vinyl. I like vinyl toys, but mm-hmm. they're essentially trolls. They're cooler you have trolls though. Trolls in your cubicle. You but, cubicle. But who wants to look at a fucking ugly troll in your cubicle? Jeez. <laughs> I ha- I have two vinyl toys on my desk. One is an alien figure, and then one is Jason Voorhees. And I and I look at those, and they make me smile. If I had a <laughs> stupid ugly troll on my desk, I'd look at it and want to punch someone. I would like to see the, someone to go kind of in-depth with that as to what do people see when they look at, like, what's common about them or soothing? Like, what is it? Like, Maybe that's the thing. Maybe at a troll doll, what do they think? You have to stroke their hair. I guess. Their, their like, coarse yeah, hair. I guess it's kind of like a stress ball, but you stroke the hair instead of squeeze the ball. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I just, I never was into them. Hacksaw Ridge. You said 80, I said 84, actual 87 on that one. Yeah. Hmm. And finally, we have loving. You said eighty six. I said eighty five. Actual eighty nine. Yeah. So you got one out of those four. Fantastic. Next week we have arrival. The new Denis Villeneuve. Nice. Amy Come Adams. Go see, a, go see a movie at the theater. Are you excited Wonderful. for this one today? I am. Sci fi. Aliens. I like linguistics. Sci-fi. I like sci fi. Give it to me. Do you like linguistics? I'm a fan. The linguistics. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, what are you thinking on arrival? Thinking uh, eighty-six. All right. I think it's going to be pretty good too. I'll say eighty-five. <laughs> then we have Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. No one thought mm. to change the title of this film. Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. I do, I mean, I can't even say it and keep a straight face. I know what I first. I didn't even say it yet. I'm laughing. I had. When I first heard about it, I was like, that's not, that's not the title of it, right? Can't be. That's not the title of the film. But guess what? That's the title of the film. It's truly called Billy Lynn's Long Hair. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, are we the only people that find this title to be ridiculous? I should, I should look it up because I I have a feeling that other people find it equally ridiculous. That is the worst title ever. It's awful. It is awful. I also read that it they it was shot in I don't know if it was forty eight frames per second, but it or maybe it's screened in it's a, a very high frame rate that it's screened in. It looks really bad to me. Yeah, I can see Ang Lee doing that. Uh I I'll say I, I think it's still gonna be pretty well received though, so I'll say seventy six on it. I'm gonna say sixty two. Alright. And we have Shut In. This is the one that's a thriller with Naomi Watts, I believe. Okay. What are you thinking on this one? I don't know too much about this one, actually. I've never even heard of this. I'm going to say 42. I'll say mm, 38 on that one. Okay. And we have L. That, that's, we'll, we'll do that one anyway. It's, that's only getting a limited release, I believe. I doubt that that's going to be playing in uh, Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. No. I mean, is it the only way it'll play here is if it's a Christian movie? 
And I don't think L's a Christian movie. All right. Uh, L, what are you thinking on this? I'll, I'll do that first. I'll say 87. I'll say 83. All right. Next week in limited release, we also have Almost Christmas, uh, The Monster, which I'm actually interested in that one. Yeah, that one that one seems intriguing. I'm intrigued by this one. Uh, oh, what else do we have? The Love Witch. That All one, right. Yeah, that All one's right. that one's definitely worth checking out, especially because it's probably going to be screening in 35 millimeter. At I least it is around here. Out. So yeah, check check that out. USS Indianapolis: Men of Courage. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's a it's a it's an amazing. Uh, Floating head poster. This this poster it contains all all the tr- all the tropes. Everything you could ever want. It's teal and orange. It's got floating heads. It's got Nicolas Cage. Yep. What I mean, what more do you want? Honestly. All right. Next week on VOD we have the Frontier that comes out this Tuesday, the eighth, and then on Friday we have Dreamland and the Monster. Okay. So. I'll Probably be checking out the monster on right. Blu-ray next week. This is for November eighth. We have oh, Bubba Hotep's getting a re-release. It's interesting. Actually, I don't know if that ever came out on Blu-ray. I don't, I don't know. think it did. I don't think it did either. We have Sausage Party. Arrow is putting out the Initiation. That's a movie I saw for the first time not too long ago. It was okay. Looks like Taxi Driver's getting a new Blu-ray release. Great okay. cover. Morris from America. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. What do we have on Criterion next week? Oh man, we got one, and that's a box set: Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh boy! All the Lone Wolf and Cub films. Five hundred and seven minutes. All found in one place, and you know what's even? You know what they even do? It's not. You know, it's good enough that they have Lone Wolf and Cub, but they also give you a high definition presentation of Shogun Assassin. Nice. So you get the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. But you also get Shogun Assassin. That's how I was introduced to Lone Wolf and Cub. I mean, that's incredible. You also get a new interview with the writer. There's a silent documentary about the making of Samurai Swords. There's other documentaries on there. Like, I mean, what more do you want from Lone Wolf and Cub? And plus, it just looks fantastic. Yeah, it's got a really awesome cover. Looks like it's a three-disc Blu-ray set. Mm. Six movies. Shogun Assassin. Like, they even threw that in there. Hell yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. 